the city of Sodom was an amazing city by pretty much every standard that they measured with back then and by the standards that we would measure with even today in our modern culture. It was a beautiful place to live. You remember from just a few chapters back, the Bible says that Sodom was located in a place that was like the like the Garden of, of God, it's, it, it was spectacular. It was like the Garden of Eden, it was so amazing. It was full of the greatest resources, the best fruits, the, the best vegetables could all be fla- found there. Uh, flowers were always in bloom because of the, the, the climate and the temperate climate. I imagine that the most gifted shepherds strolled their hills and came and sold within their cities and this was a key intersection for commerce of all kinds. And so, so I imagine that, 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 that they were up to date on the latest trends and the latest fads and the latest aspects of culture from all over the world. To work in Sodom for just a few hours was, was equal to working many hard days in another part of the earth. Every want was supplied. They had, they had every need and thus this city seemed to be almost continuously in a state of euphoria and frivolity. Due to the ease of living conditions that, that they experienced in Sodom, due to the, the ease of life that they experienced in Sodom, the, the people of, of Sodom took a, an un, uncautious look at life. They took an uncautious look at life. They had riches and leisure, and so with that came a susceptibility to more temptations. You could look at the, the, the people of Sodom, and, and the old adage would be true. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. This would be true. This would be proven a true statement as you looked at the city of Sodom. It was into this land that Lot chose and that's a key word, that Lot chose to move his family. He didn't go there out of necessity. Remember in the story, again, as we've been going through the book of Genesis from just a few weeks back, he chose it. Uh, Abraham said to him, Lot, you choose wherever you want to go. You can go to the east or to the west or to the north or to the south. He had an open option. We have no indication that God said, hey, I want you in Sodom. But, but Lot looked upon that land and there was something about that area and something about that territory that, that Lot made a, a singular choice to move his family into that place. And thus, our chapter of study, chapter 19 begins with that in mind. This, this spectacular city yet it was also spectacularly immoral. And the single decision of a man to move his family into that city. In fact, the premise of of Genesis chapter 19, the, 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 the stories of Genesis chapter 19 are based upon this one decision. One decision and the impact that it would have. Genesis chapter 19 as I read it, and maybe as some of you have read it, is, is in many ways one of the most disturbing chapters in my mind in, in the Bible, in the Old Testament. Just the stories within it are, are horrific and, and hard to imagine, and some of the things that are said in it are hard to imagine, and yet it is all there because of a decision that Lot made when he looked upon that city and said, you know what, I think I'll set up my home there. 
And our chapter begins in Genesis chapter 19, verses 1 through 3. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. Now these two angels had just been visiting, along with the Lord, uh, Abraham, outside of the city, up on the hill. And the Bible tells us, when Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the earth and said, my lords, please turn aside your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Now, now, Lot did not do this because he knew that these were angels. Lot did not at this time yet know that these were angels. The majority of your Bibles will have there when he says that, my lords, it'll be in lowercase. It's because the Hebrew word here indicates that he didn't address them as, as, as divine beings or as spiritual beings, but rather he just was addressing them maybe like in the old English way, my Lord, come and dwell with me. But it wasn't in a recognition of, 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 of their supernatural presence or gifts. He says, my Lord, come and, come and turn aside your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise up early and go on your way. They said to him, no, we will spend the night in the town square. The Bible then tells us in verse three, but Lot pressed them strongly. The language here conveys the idea that he, that, he, that he insisted, he was persistent in urging them to come to his house. So they turned aside to him and entered his house and he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread and they ate. Lot's hospitality in this moment was not simply an act of the cultural custom of the day. Yes, it was true, it was good to, to host people and to invite guests into your home, but, but there was something more here, and we see that in the language, and that he pressed them hard to come to his house. Why did he do this? Lot was desperate. In that moment, Lot was desperate to get these men off of the streets to a safe place. Not because, as I said, because he knew them, but because Lot knew his neighbors, and he knew what they were capable of. Maybe Lot saw the moral decay surrounding him. Maybe he was very well aware of the moral decay around him. Or maybe Lot, like many of us, decided to ignore some of the moral uh, compromise that was going on around him. Maybe Lot ignored some of the, 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 the cultural inroads that, that, that the city was making into his life and into the lives of his family. Maybe Lot chose to ignore some of these things, but in that moment when there was guests in his presence, suddenly he realized and his eyes were open. Have you had those moments where maybe you don't see something that's so bad and then all of a sudden a certain person is there and suddenly that thing seems a little bit worse? Any of you ever had that moment? You're watching something, it doesn't seem so bad, and your parents walk in the room and you're like, oh man, I probably shouldn't be watching this. I remember when, I first, uh, when we first moved to California, Christine and I, and we were a new pastor in there, and, and, and uh, we invited another young couple. We'd only been there probably a month or so. We invited another young couple over to our house to hang out, and we had known uh, the husband from college, and so we said, hey, let's all get together. Let's hang out and, and uh, get to know your wife. And so we were there, and we said, well, what should we do? It was a Saturday night, and we said, well, let's, let's go get a movie. This was the day and age when you had to go and actually get a movie. You remember that day and age? Blockbuster. I still have my Blockbuster card. I'm holding on to it to show my kids one day and tell them the stories about these places that had videos in them and you had to go to them. Anyway, so we went to the Blockbuster and, and, and we were going through and we were having a hard time figuring out what movie to get and we didn't really, couldn't really decide. And then my friend, he picked up one and he said, oh, I, I heard some good things about this. And I said, oh yeah, I've seen that. I'd, I'd be happy to see that again. 
I hadn't seen it for a while, but I was like, yeah, I've seen that. I'd be happy to see that again. And we rent the movie and we go home. And about halfway through this movie, I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness, I'm the pastor and I vouched for this movie. Suddenly with guests in our house, this movie seemed totally different than I had remembered it. Maybe that's Lot in this moment. Suddenly there's guests there and, and he's like, wait a second, this city is not a place for these men. And so he invites them to his house and the story continues verse 4 but before they lay down that's the guests and lot the men of the city the men of Sodom both young and old all the people to the last man surrounded the house and they called to lot where are the men who came to you tonight bring them out to us that we may know them now the word for know here in verse 5 is the word yada and it's it's not simply just hey we want to have a conversation and and get to know these individuals and inquire of their interests within our city no they, the word here indicates it indicates uh, uh, it's the word that's used to describe intimacy between a man and a woman it's used throughout the bible when it says adam left his parents and he knew eve it's speaking of intimacy between a husband and a wife sexual intimacy these folks just didn't want to have a simple conversation. And Lot does something that seems in the moment like an honorable and decent thing. He says to them, he goes out to them, and he, said, and he shut the door after, them, after himself, and he said, I beg you, this is verse 7, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. If Lot had just stopped talking right there, it would have been good. Way to go, Lot. Way to stand up against the moral corruption of your city way to stand up against the things that 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 are that are that these people are trying to do way to take a stand lot the only problem is is lot doesn't end his conversation there he continues to speak he says this behold i have two daughters who have not known any man let me bring them out to you and you do to them as you please only do nothing to these men for they have come under the shelter of my roof. They're coming under the shelter of my roof. Now, a lot of times when we read this story, the sin that we focus on throughout this story or within this story is we focus on the sin of Sodom. We focus on the sin of Sodom. But here we see Lot in no way, he, or I should say, we see Lot in every way, equaling their sin by his action. There are some commentaries that actually try to, to uh, explain this away. They say, well, you know, within that culture, the guest was the most honorable thing in protecting your guests, and, and women were at a lower status, so Lot was just within the context of his, uh, his, his culture of that day and age. But I love that Dr. Dukan, in his uh, commentary on Genesis, doesn't try to rational way, rationalize away this act by Lot, as some commentaries do. He, he says, basically, that, that Lot had become such a product of his environment that even when he was trying to do good, he didn't realize the good he was trying to do was actually just as wicked as the wicked he was trying to stop. The good he was trying to do was actually just as wicked as the wicked he was trying to stop, and he doesn't even realize it because he's become such a product of his culture. How many of us are like that when we look at other people within culture and we may say, man, I can't believe they do that and I can't believe they do this, yet we have become such products of our culture that our sin is also just as wicked as the sin that we are speaking against that we're challenging against. But we don't realize it because our culture has so infiltrated us. 
The men said, stand back. This fellow came to sojourn and he has become the judge. Now we will deal worse with, worse with you than with them. Then they pressed hard against the man Lot and drew near to break the door down. Verse 10, but the men reached out their hands, that's the angels that were inside of Lot's house, reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door and they struck with blindness the men who were at the entrance of the house, both small and great, so that they were themselves out groping for the door. Then the men said to Lot, have you anyone else here? And, and folks, I know that sometimes when we read this story, when we read this story about this destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, there are people in, in our modern world, in our modern culture, and in, 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 our, in our postmodern thinking that look at this and they say, what a harsh and horrible and vindictive God that he destroyed these cities. He just annihilated all these people. There are people that, that have a hard time with this chapter because of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And they look at it and they say, that's not a gracious God. That's not a loving God. There are people that I've heard that I've had conversations with and, and they say, I like the God of the New Testament, but I don't like the God of the Old Testament. I mean, look at what he did to Sodom and Gomorrah. He just destroyed them, just burned them up. I don't like that. But, but, but folks, right here is one of the first places we see the mercy of of God actually in this story. This story, while some may look at it as just as harsh and vindictive God, all the way through it, as I read it, I see examples and, and moments of mercy again and again and again. The Bible says in verse 12, then the men said to Lot, have you anyone else here? Sons-in-laws, sons, daughters, and then he says this, or anyone you have in the city. Bring them out to this place. The Lord is trying to find a reason to save this city. Is there anybody that will stand up for right within this city? He's trying to find a reason to save this city. Is there anybody that we can save Lot? Family members? But hey, if there's not family members, is there anybody else in the city that you will bring with you, that will come with you? For we are about to destroy this place because the outcry against his people has become great before the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and said to his sons-in-law who were to marry his daughters, up, get out of this place for the Lord is about to destroy the city. But he seemed to his sons-in-law to be jesting. They didn't believe him. They, they didn't take him seriously. As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot saying, up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. And then verse 16, but he lingered, but Lot lingered. Why did Lot linger? Even though he had delivered the message, the destruction was coming upon the city, even though somewhere in his heart he knew this to be true, even though he knew that, that as, as the men had said, the outcry of wickedness had grown so great within the city, it had made their choice for or against God, even though Lot knew all these things to be true, he still lingered because the culture, the influence of the culture, the things he loved within that place had become so ingrained in him. God is laboring through these angels with Lot, but he lingers. Why do we linger? Sometimes there's lingering that, is, that isn't bad. We, we linger in a moment to, to say goodbye to a friend or or a loved one, maybe we linger at a, at a coffin when we're at a funeral. There's moments of lingering that are okay, but, but in this context it is clear, and in other contexts we've been in, lingering can, can lead to bad things. The lingering shows somewhat of a desire, somewhat of a, of a 
of a temptation that is there. I don't know if any of you remember dating back in the day. Do you remember standing on the front porch of that house saying goodbye to that special someone or maybe getting out of the car saying goodbye to that special someone? I don't know about you, but when I was dating, goodbyes were the longest in the history of mankind. There was some lingering going on. Probably some of us should have lingered a little less and cut that kissing off a little early. I know none of you kissed. You were all just holding hands as good, proper folk. But some were lingering. You need, we need to remember the old adage of Mrs. White, you know, nothing happens good after nine o'clock. We just need to go on our way and not linger. But we linger because we want something or, or, or there's something there. And again, here though, even within this moment, when, 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 when Lot is lingering, God shows mercy. God shows mercy. The angels sees him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand. The Bible even says, the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him outside the city and Lot said to them, oh no, my lords, behold, your servant has found favor in your sight and you have shown me great kindness and saved my life. But I cannot escape to the hills lest a disaster overtake me and I die. Verse 20, behold, this city is near enough to flee to and it is a little one. Let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And again, again, we see that Lot is being compromised by the culture. He says, I can't escape to the hills. Let me just go over to this other city. And then he emphasizes, it's just a small city. And he says it again, it's just a small city. In other words, maybe it's not quite as corrupt as this place, but I'd feel more comfortable there. There might just be a little bit of corruption there, but it's not as bad as, as where I'm at now. Some of us live within our world in that way. We say, okay, God calls us out of something, and we say, okay, I'll come out of it, but I'm going to be a little bit in it still. I'm going to be in it just a little still. God, I used to be really into this world, and, and I know that was bad, but, but over here, this is, just, this is just a little, and so it's not quite as bad, right, God? It's just a little city, God. Law well, says it's little. It's not so corrupt, God. Let me go over there. Let me, let me try my hand over there. Again, Law well, is showing the cultural compromise he has allowed to come into his heart. He's showing that he'd prefer the familiarity to some culture than absolute and total obedience. And you know what? God is again merciful. The God we serve, we, we, we know that, that, that story that God is patient, and, or we know that verse, God is patient, long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. I think this is God being patient in this moment. He's, he's letting Lot's time frame and letting Lot come to the understanding of what's going on to the best that he can to save him and protect him in his own time frame. Verse 21, behold, I grant you this favor, the angel says, that I will not over the city of which you have spoken. Escape there quickly, for I can do nothing till you arrive there. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zoar. Then the city of Sodom, the story tells us, receives the consequences of their own actions. 
God pulls back his hands of protection. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the city and what grew on the ground. And then the next line, which may be the most famous part of the entire story. Verse 26. But Lot's wife, what? Behind him looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. Just a side little point, not in my notes, but it's interesting that the Bible puts that in. But Lot's wife behind him. In our marriages, we were made to be co-equals, to journey in this life side by side. I find that if my wife's by my side, I'm better protected. If I'm by her side, she's better protected. There's a, there's a reason for that. Lot did not have his wife by his side, but she was behind him. And the Bible says she looked back and she became a pillar of salt. I hope we can all understand something here, that it wasn't the looking that was the problem. It was the desire in her heart behind that looking. The Bible describes it as looking because we, we understand this, this context. We understand we, we've been in those moments where we've seen someone look at something and we realize just by the look in their eye what is in their heart. We've been in those moments maybe ourselves where we've looked at something and suddenly we realize how we're looking at it and we're saying, oh man, I, I shouldn't look that way or I shouldn't think that way. Or, and, and it's a representative of our, the desires in our heart. That looking signified what was actually in her heart. When I was in high school, there was this girl that I was interested in, she had actually dated a friend of mine for a while and they had broken up and I had let kind of the prerequisite time go by and I asked my friend, hey, do you mind if I ask her out on a date? And he said, yeah, sure, go ahead. So I asked her out on a date. We went out on this date and we had a good time and then we went out on, on another date and had a good time and we started hanging out more and more and I was thinking, hey, maybe this relationship is going somewhere. And then one time I caught a moment. We were in a room and my friend walks into the room and I saw how she looked at him, and I realized this relationship was short-lived. I could see in her eyes who she wanted to be sitting by, and it wasn't me. It wasn't me. That look. I'm sure if we were there, we would have seen that look. That there was, there was it wasn't just a look, it wasn't just a glance, but there was a desire in her heart. Even as the city is burning, there's some part of her saying, I'd rather be there than here. I'd rather be there than here. She made that choice, and God allowed her to have her choice. Even in destruction, I'd rather be there than here. Folks, we see the compromise of Lot. We see, we see the compromise, uh, how the compromise led to, 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 to his own morals being blended and blind, his own immorality being blind to himself. We see, we see this desire in him to still stay within the midst of that city and, and, and how he's hedging towards the culture of the world. We see that he's lost his wife as a result of this situation. His daughters, who are supposed to marry these men, they lost their husbands as a result of this one decision that he made to live amongst this culture. One decision. Chapter 19 is predicated on, on one decision. 
You can go to the north, the south, the east, or the west. Lot, choose wherever you want. Lot looks down at that city and says, I want to go there. And chapter 19 grows out of that decision to live within that city. If the story stopped there, the results are enough for us to see the dangers of moral compromise, even just a little. If the chapter ended right there, we could say, well, that would be enough. But the Bible continues. The Bible continues. If anything we can say about the Bible, it is honest. It is the most honest and transparent writing that there is. We may sometimes cringe, but it is there. And chapter 19, in some ways, I say unfortunately, continues. Now Lot, now Lot went up to Zoar, this is verse 30, and lived in the hills with his two daughters, for he was afraid to live in Zoar. So he lived in a cave with his two daughters. He's finally gotten it. He finally realizes, you know what? This place was destroyed because of the compromise and because of the, because of the immorality. I'm now in this little city. It's not as bad, but this little city is still compromised. You know what? I can't even live in this little city. I've got to get to the cave. He finally realizes where he's supposed to be, and he obeys. And he goes up to the cave with his two daughters. And the firstborn, in verse 31, said to the younger daughter, Our father is old, and there is not a man on earth to come into us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve offspring from our father. So they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father. He did not know when she lay down or when she arose. The next day, the firstborn said to the younger, Behold, I lay last night with my father. Let us make him drink wine tonight also. Then you go in and lie with him, that we may preserve offspring from our father. So they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him, and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. There isn't much commentary I need to make on what I just read. Hopefully every single one of us hears that and goes, this is just absolutely disgusting. And probably many of us would say, well, that would never come into our culture. That would never creep into our world. That's not the way our world. We know that there's some extreme cases, but, but, but folks, these were people that were followers of God that, that had been raised under the banner of God. These were still part of God's chosen people. Ellen White says Lot was eventually saved, uh, like by the skin of his teeth, she indicates, in other words. Just barely. But, but we see this compromise taking place over and over again. We may say this will, this will never happen to our society, and this isn't in my notes, but I'm gonna share it with you. I was reading an article, and, and there's, this, uh, there's this website that, that is trying to combat the effects of pornography on our society, and they had an article saying one of the most disturbing things about pornography is this last year, in 2016, the, the top five searches for pornography on, on, on pornographic websites, the top five searches, they said literally millions a day. Number two, the phrase stepmom. Number four, mom. Number five, sister. Millions of searches a day in North America. It's part of our culture. And we can turn a blind eye and say, oh, well, that's not going to affect me. But the reality is, folks, that, that if we're not aware of it, if we think that we're safe above the whole thing, then it will 
compromise us. These daughters had, had been so interwoven with this evil society, they didn't even realize the compromised position that their family had become in. The sinful conduct, Patriarchs and Prophets, page 167, the sinful conduct of his daughters was the result of evil associations of that vile place. Its moral corruption had become so interwoven with their character that they could not, she says, distinguish between good and evil. Remember Lot back in the city? He thought he was protecting the men by offering his daughters. He didn't even realize what he was doing was just as sinful as what those men at the door wanted to do. And now his daughters are in that same compromised position. They don't even realize, on what says, they don't even realize, discern evil from good. They could not distinguish between righteous and unrighteous. Why? Because of the culture. Ellen White continues, and I think this is pertinent for all of us who say, well, you know what? I'm aware of where I'm at. I'm not gonna let any of this compromise me. When Lot entered Sodom, he fully intended to keep himself free from iniquity and to command his household after him, but he signally failed. The corrupting influences about him had an effect upon his own faith and his children's connection with the inhabitants of Sodom bound up his interest in a measure with theirs. The result, she says, here's this line, she says, the result is before us. Do you notice what this said? It said the corrupting influence about him had an effect upon his own faith and his children's connection with the inhabitants of Sodom. In other words, you know what? Lot in some ways stayed clear of some of these things, but, but the connections of his children to the world then invested his heart in that world. He was like any parent who loved his children and we look at things in this world and we say, you know what, I love my children and we begin to change some of our values. We begin to change some of our views. Why? Because we love our children and they're so invested in some of these things in the world and we want them to be happy and we want them to be pleased and we want them to enjoy life. And we're not there, we still think it's wrong, we still think it's evil, but, but, but our hearts are open to it because of the connections our kids have made with those things. Children's connection with the inhabitants of Sodom bound up his interest in a measure with theirs. Then she says, the result is before us. Y'all, what choices are we making? What choices have we made? What choices are we thinking about making that, that would place us directly into the hands of the culture and thus directly into the hands of Satan? Do you, do I, do we need to recalibrate something in our lives? This story is, is full of mercy over and over again. God is trying to get Sodom and anyone else, or not Sodom, but Lot and his family and anyone else that will come. He's trying again and again to get them to say, okay, you've been in this compromised situation, you've been in this compromised culture, but come on, there's still time. Come out, come out. He keeps trying over and over and over again. God is merciful. It gives opportunity for us to recalibrate. It gives us opportunity right now for us to recalibrate. Now some may say, be saying, well, you're talking about being in a culture. Does that mean we, we should all go and live in the hills? Well, if God calls you to that, then maybe so. But if all of us go and live in the same place, then we're probably gonna have the same problems as we have here. Anyways, but, but that's not necessarily what I'm saying. 
If God has called you to be in a place, then be in that place. But don't choose to be any place that God has not called you to be. Again, something that's not in my notes, but that's in my mind, is you think about the stories of Joseph and Daniel. Joseph and Daniel stood strong in the face of all kinds of moral compromise. In the, in the face of opportunities to, to go against God, they stood strong. And yet people like David, who is a man after God's own heart, and, and Solomon, who's the wisest man to ever live, and, and, and Abraham, who's the father of, of our faith, people like this are, are all, all have moments of compromise. What's the difference? Are Joseph and Daniel just better people? Do they have stronger uh, self-will? Do they, do they have better personalities? Are they better than David or, or, or Solomon or Abraham? What is the difference? As I read all those stories, you know what the difference is? The difference is this. In every case where David or Solomon or Abraham fell, it is when they chose to be someplace that God had not directed or even allowed by his desire for them to be witnesses to happen. Joseph was in Egypt, not because of his choice, but because God allowed it to happen. Joseph said, you intended this for evil, God meant it for good. Daniel was not in Babylon because of his choice, but because he was taken there against his will. And God then said to the people in, in Babylon, Build houses, pray for the city, be patient. I'll bless you in the midst of this. But in the cases of David or, or Solomon or, or Samson or Abraham, whenever they, they fell, it's because they chose to be in a place that God did not want them. You, you know the story of David and Bathsheba, right? David, the Bible says, at the time when kings went off to what? War. David stayed back. And what did he do? It says, in the evening, David went up on the rooftop. Now, I just want to make this point, folks. David didn't just go up on the rooftop to stroll and to have a nice... When you went up on the rooftop in that culture, in that time period, that's the time period and that's the hour in which people bathed. David had nefarious things on his mind when he went up on that roof. I don't think he was walking there and go, oh, I didn't know that this lady lived next door to me and that she would be bathing at this hour. He went up on the roof. Bible is clear. He went up on the roof in the evening hour. That evening hour means nothing to us, but in the readers of that time, it would mean something. It meant something. David was somewhere where he wasn't supposed to be. Solomon, do not align yourself with any of the, of the, of the, of the kingdoms of this world. Okay, God, I won't align myself with any of the kingdoms of the world, except for I'm going to marry this girl, and I'm going to marry this girl, and I'm going to marry this girl. I'm gonna marry, I, I can't go through all you know, 400, 700 concubines and women that he went through. We'd be here forever. But again and again, Abraham, go to this land. There's a, there's a famine there. I'm gonna go down to Egypt. I'm not gonna listen to you, God. He sells out his wife. What's the difference between them all of them? It's a singular choice. I'm gonna be where God wants me to be or I'm not gonna be where God wants me to be. If you're in a most corrupt city in the world, you can think of whatever, which one ever you wanna think of. All of you just go and think of the most corrupt city in the world right now and hopefully you don't wanna go there. But if you're in the most corrupt city in the world, if God calls you to be there, I believe that God will give you strength to be safe. But if you're there simply because, man, I like this place, it's a good job, it's this, it's that, then there's a potential, a great potential for this compromise. Lot fully intended to keep himself free from iniquity and to command his household after him. 
but he signally failed. One choice, one choice. Is God calling us to recalibrate, to look at our lives and says, is there places I believe differently? Not because of the word of God, but because of the culture. Are there, are there areas that I would have never been okay with, with doing that before, but now I'm okay with it because, you know what, it makes my kids happy. I know that probably it's not the best, but is there compromise? God, just as he was merciful to the city of Sodom, just as he was merciful to the family of Lot, just as he was merciful time and time again to Abraham, God is merciful to us and he says, come out of her, my people. Come out of her, my people. Move away from the world. For those of us that are parents, God calls us not only this for us, but he calls us, calls us to this for, for our kids, for our spouses. He calls us to this even as grandparents. He calls us to this for our grandkids. You know, one of the greatest witnesses in my life, two of the greatest witnesses in my life are both of my grandmas. I never have doubted their walk with Jesus Christ. I doubted my parents at times, but I've never doubted my grandparents. You can still have an influence. This is important stuff. I believe with all my heart that Jesus is coming soon, brothers and sisters, and he calls us. He gives us chapter 19. Abraham, Abraham, Abraham. Chapter 19. Abraham, Abraham, Abraham. He gives us chapter 19. Ellen White says, the result is before us. The result of what happens when we choose compromise is before us. God calls us to take our eyes off of the world and to fix our eyes onto the world that is to come, the culture that is to come, the culture and the kingdom of Jesus Christ. I pray that, that each one of us in our hearts will, will find that he's enough, that he's everything that we need. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. Bless us, guide us, fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. I pray that even in this moment, Lord, that you'll convict us. I know that as I've been studying this week, you've convicted my own heart in some things and some areas, my own family, with my own private walk with you. Lord, I pray that, that if there's anyone in here that they can know that even in this moment they can recalibrate just like that. Not by their power, by their might, but because of your grace and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, that you are patient, that you are long-suffering, that, that sometimes you bring us along slowly because we are hesitant. We stop and we go and we, we linger. And yet you labor with us. What a merciful God you are. Jesus, I know that you are coming soon. I believe it with all my heart. I pray that each one of us will be done with this world and will embrace the world to come in Jesus Christ. In your name we pray, amen.